Thank you for joining IAB There. And now your host, Brad Behrens. Over to you, Brad. Hi, everybody. Welcome to IAB There. Uh, it is Thursday, April 23rd. Thank you so much for joining us. IAB There is our daily live stream where we work to connect the digital advertising industry. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Today's topic, leading brands to safety in a time of change. And we are thrilled to have Lisa Utschneider, who is the CEO of Integral Ads, joining us. Um, we're gonna bring her on right now. While she's coming on, let me walk you through how to ask questions of Lisa, which is on Twitter. So if you have questions for her, then please post them to Twitter using the hashtag IABthere, all caps, one word. Once again, please post questions that you might have for Lisa. Uh, on Twitter and uh, our team will post them to us in the chat and we'll try to get to them. Lisa Utschneider, thank you so much. Welcome to IAB There. Hi, Brad, thanks for having me. So I'm really pleased that you can be here. I met you uh, a while back, you keynoted AdTech New York when you were at Amazon, uh, you were running their then relatively new uh, ads uh, division. And then you wound up uh, as the CRO for Yahoo. Today you're the CEO of mm -hmm. Integral Ads. What's the through line here? You, you spent 10 years at Microsoft before that. It all seems to add up, but how does it add up to you? Yeah, that I was trying to, when we were connecting on LinkedIn, I was trying to remember, that was a long time ago. I think it was 2012, right? And I believe yes. it was AdTech San Francisco. Yeah, oh, that okay. was back in the day. Um, yeah, I had quite a journey over the years working for big tech companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Yahoo, uh, primarily as CRO, revenue generating roles, and now as CEO in Integral Ad Science. And, you know, it's interesting thinking about are there common threads going from focusing on sales to CEO? And there definitely are a few common threads. Like the first is just customer focus, right? Making sure you're focused on customers, listening to customers' needs. Uh, technology, innovating on behalf of customers, investing in tech and data. Uh, what else? Global, right? We're really feeling global today as we're all working from home and connecting even more. Um, and then I'd say the final common thread is just people and the importance of uh, the teams that you build and you work with. And uh, throughout my years, I've just been so blessed and honored to work with the various teams that I've worked with. So, but let's dig on dig in on the the CEO CRO difference. Like, if you could, you know, go go back in time and you know talk to Lisa uh, at Amazon or at Yahoo and say, okay, I'm sitting in the big chair now. Here's what you need yeah. to know. Like, what advice would you give a give your younger self? I would say um, the advice I give my younger self is just don't sweat the small stuff, right? Don't sweat you know, you get to a point of scale and moving at high velocity and making 200 decisions a day. And the part that's really important is focusing on the right priorities and knowing the stuff you need to deprioritize and the stuff that falls below the line, you just got to let it uh, fall through the cracks. And I think in my earlier years, you know, I, I was just sweating too much on the small, the minutia right and the detail and that's been a big uh pivot for me is just focus on a couple of few few things core priorities uh and really make sure we're executing against those priorities 
That's that's a uh, that's a nice distinction. I think it also uh, does require you to have people underneath you who mm -hmm. are going to sweat the small stuff. And so you were, your your earlier comment about really being focused on people uh, makes even even more sense. So you you haven't been at IAS that long. Uh, you you arrived in January of 2019. That's right. Uh, it's been a pretty turbulent time even before uh, coronavirus. And and I know you think a lot about questions of, of leadership and, and you already had a distributed team. Now your team is even more finely distributed uh, because mm -hmm. I think you're in Connecticut. Uh, I'm in Oregon. Uh, I mean, we just had people on at the pre-meeting uh, who were in uh, Brooklyn and Hoboken. So suddenly geography is, is uh, uh, incredibly compelling in our personal lives and irrelevant in our professional lives. Talk with me about how, you know, what you're thinking and, and how you're leading your team because you, you're how many? There's a lot of countries IAS is in at this point. So. Yeah. So IAS, uh, I hope everyone on the call is familiar with IAS, but we're a leading third-party verification company. We've been around as a company for ten years. Uh, as you mentioned, I joined IAS as CEO eighteen months ago, and before that, uh, Vista Equity Partners, a global PE firm, acquired IAS. Uh, as you mentioned, we're global. We're in 13 countries. We have uh, hundreds and hundreds of employees. And in terms of what we do, we do three things. We verify, you know, we work with all the major advertisers and agencies, and we verify three things. If an ad was viewed, was it viewed by a human or a bot? And did the ad run adjacent to brand safe and brand suitable content? And especially over the last few months, there's been a lot of active dialogue uh, about brand safety and brand suitability, which I'm sure we're gonna get into. But um, having the opportunity to lead the organization over the last 18 months, I actually wouldn't describe the 18 months as turbulent. Uh, I would describe the last two months as turbulent, but before that, I would say um, just tons of opportunity and high growth uh, and it's actually been really fun to both uh, be able to build a business and uh, think through how to reinforce the infrastructure and be able to bring on hundreds of new employees and also spend uh, more time with our advertising customers. And in terms of leading th the team through the last couple of months of COVID, uh, it's definitely been an interesting and unique experience. As I mentioned, uh, IES, we're a global organization, so we could even see COVID coming early on because I have teams in APAC, you could see the impact there, yeah. teams in EMEA, all the major markets of Europe, we also have teams in Modena and Milan, uh, and then US, and you know, we've been so focused on the safety and well-being of our employees, making sure that they feel supported, uh, that they can uh, be as productive as possible at home, given the challenges of working from home, having your kids at home. But it's been a, a major and a huge unifier for our team because, um, you know, we're spending a lot of time together. Uh, we're all working from home, you know, as a leader, showing vulnerability, you know, sort of breeds trust that, I've opened my home up to my team. They see we have two girls, they're in and out of the screens, you know, and, and just uh, 
giving the invitation to the entire company that you do what you need to do both to support your family at home and then also try and be as productive as you can at home. So it definitely has been a unifier for us over the last couple of months. I feel like we're getting to know people uh, in, in a slightly more intimate way just because uh, you see their homes, you see the decorations. Now, in this case, my office is, is has always been relatively boring. Mostly, I just angle the camera to contain the unbelievable mess that is secretly around me that no one no one can see. But uh, my team has met. They've met my wife. They've met my kids. Then my dog pops in from time to time. Uh, I think. I guess my question. This is leading to a question, which is, what do you think the the the, the post coronavirus output of of just knowing people's lives and knowing the kind of the, the tapestry of their lives better. Do you have any sense of, or, I don't think we're going back to the old formality is what I, I guess what yeah, I'm saying. Neither do I. The other thing that has been very interesting to experience and both observe is in many ways this work from home is uh, almost an equalizer for organization, right? It doesn't matter what function you're in, what your title is, you know, if you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, everyone has a seat at the table. I think communicating through, you know, Zoom calls, it's very different. There's a lot less interruption. People don't mm. interrupt. I think everyone's listening more, right? Having more dialogue, more dialogue, whether it be about the business or even, you know, what's going on personally. And we've set up all kinds of things that I ask like virtual chats, virtual cooking. Um, we just did our global town hall. We do it live every single Thursday. We gave out our quarterly awards. We wear hats. We have this whole, I should put my hat on. I have hats all around this office. Hats, you know, hats off, hats on. Um, and I think, I just hope that doesn't change post COVID. And I, and I do think that it's unifying us. It's bringing us together. It's uh, bringing us closer to focus on those core priorities, but also just to get to know each other better personally. Well, and, and I think that both of us talked about internal uh, meetings. What about with clients? Because you're, you're also getting to see your best clients uh, in their homes. How's that been? Yeah, so uh, that's also been interesting. I spend a lot of time talking to our customers, spending time with customers, uh, with industry partners. And what's interesting, everyone talks about they couldn't be busier, yet everyone has time to jump on a quick call. And so having that opportunity to connect even for 15 minutes, I have clients who put, they see me with my hat on, I should have put it on, they put a hat on. Um, I've learned more about clients, kids, uh, homeschooling, uh, how they're spending their time, what they've been cooking. So again, both uh, with employees, it's a great way to connect on that personal level, but also with clients, it's, um, it's been wonderful and fabulous over the last few weeks to make that connection too. Uh, that's, a, that's an encouraging answer. Um, so let, let's dig in on the brand safety question. And the IAB's particular interest right now uh, is about unblocking the news. Uh, our, our president who just joined us, uh, David Cohen, had a really terrific op-ed in Business Insider a few weeks back. And we've been, we've been really covering this topic uh, again and again because our position is that we 
uh, we as a species, we as a civilization, we need reliable news uh, during at all times, but particularly during uh, a planetary health crisis like uh, like COVID nineteen. And so, so uh, brand safety, brand suitability is is a key part of Integral Ads uh, business. How is uh, how is IS working with both sides of the industry? Um, how have you, how's your thinking about brand safety and brand suitability changed during this time? Yeah, so great question. So brand safety and brand suitability is uh, paramount for everyone, I would say, in not even the digital ecosystem, the media landscape. And as I mentioned before, you know, our customer base, we cover both the supply, the buy side and the sell side. So both advertisers, agencies, but also publishers are really, really important partners for us. And um, the way we think about it is, you know, our partners, whether the buy side or the sell side, they see IAS as a trusted partner. Like that was the other thing that um, it was eye-opening for me when I joined IAS and I went and listened to a lot of clients and every single one said, IAS, you are in the business of trust right? You're an independent third-party verification company. We trust your accuracy. We trust your, your tech. Um, never in my 20 years of media have I seen so many POV requests. Everyone's reaching out to us for our point of view on all kinds of topics, including brand safety and brand suitability. And we take that trust very seriously. And we take it even more seriously now during COVID, right? Where everyone's very aware of it. Um, we've been making a lot of investments in our product and tech, especially in the areas of brand safety and brand suitability to ensure that we're offering what we call precise technology. And what I mean by that is we made a major acquisition last fall called Atmantics. Atmantics is contextual intelligence uh, technology. It's AI and machine learning based. And what that means is, in addition to having the tech to be able to understand the, the context of the page, right, we now can go one layer deeper into the sentiment of the content, right? And when it comes to things like COVID, that's important. That nuance is really important for marketers to understand, right? that, you know, will my ad be placed next to negative COVID content or positive COVID content? And, um, you know, since made, making that acquisition last November, we have been full speed at the integration of the technology, at getting much more sophisticated in how we think about sentiment analysis, about the segments we're rolling out. So things like infectious diseases, so it's not a blunt instrument of block all COVID news, but it can be much more nuanced like infectious diseases. And um, I have to say since that acquisition, our entire client base, both publishers and advertisers, they're absolutely leaning in um, to this precise technology. And they're very interested in um, participating and learning with us. So when was that acquisition? Uh, the acquisition was last November. So uh, your timing really couldn't have been better because who could have predicted that the, the pressure on, uh, on, ad, on keyword blocking 
uh, would would suddenly happen uh, because no one no one predicted. Well, the CDC did, but most people didn't understand that coronavirus was coming. Let, let's dig in. Uh, so I think you can be uh, accused of uh, of extraordinary timing with that particular acquisition. Um, but I do want to dig in on keyword blocking because keyword blocking is the blunt tool that most often is uh, agencies are using and brands when they're controlling their own media spend. So what's what's the IAS official advice um, about it? Is it, it sounds like it's like you're, I'm, I'm gathering, you're saying combine keyword blocking with sentiment analysis, um, but I think you probably have a more nuanced answer than that. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, it's, uh, you know, we're so focused on the precision of it and ensuring that every marketer's needs are different, right? Every vertical's needs are different. So, you know, a travel advertiser, an airline's level of tolerance and the type of COVID news that they'd be comfortable with could be very different from, um, I don't know, an athletic brand. Like it, it varies marketer by marketer and really leaning in and listening to the marketer's needs and the agency's needs and those nuances and, also educating them that uh, we can be very prescriptive around both semantic analysis and sentiment analysis. And, you know, this is a very fluid situation that we're in with COVID right now. Uh, and every day we're learning more and more and the machine learning and AI is getting much more sophisticated. And at IAS, we absolutely do not encourage anyone to block all news like that. That makes no sense. Uh, for lots of reasons. No, we absolutely do not. Um, but what we do encourage is that uh, both agencies, marketers, and publishers, that uh, they give us the opportunity to uh, show them the power of this technology, to have an open dialogue about what their goals are, uh, what we're seeing uh, in the technology, and how can we navigate it together. The other thing I'll add that we've been doing at IAS in addition to, um, you know, rolling out this capability and educating the marketplace is we're also trying to drive as much thought leadership as we can right now. And we're investing in a lot of research uh, that we have been uh, rolling out to the industry, uh, talking about, you know, consumer perception, consumer perception of brands and brands of certain verticals that are adjacent to COVID content, right? And uh, we just rolled out our second uh, research paper. We'll continue to roll out these research papers uh, and the publishers, they love it. I mean, the types of uh, communications and emails we're getting thanking us uh, from publishers for this content uh, and this research, that's something we're gonna continue to invest in and drive the thought leadership. And the reason the publishers love it is it is giving them, you know, more arrows uh, in their quiver when they're talking with their clients on the brand and agency side. Yes, and it's also showing data that um, consumers actually they're they're okay with seeing brands of certain categories, certain verticals. If they're reading content about COVID, they're fine. If, for example, a pharmaceutical ad is running adjacent to that content or uh, potentially healthcare or you know, CPG. So again, getting back to that precision, precision in the technology, uh, precision in the insights so that 
we can better educate everyone as we're all trying to navigate through this. So here's another question about precision. And, and you can pass on the question if it's just not part of the IAS brief, but uh, in our research, and, and by the way, um, I just wanna say uh, right out loud, uh, we would love to be a part of uh, the conversation with your research as it's coming out to, to figure having you back here to talk about it again, some, finding out something else. Uh, this is important stuff. Um, one of the things we've seen in our research, we did a couple, we're coming out with the third next week of uh, pulses on, uh, on spent, uh, both on the buy side and the sell side. And we've been seeing that advertisers have been pausing campaigns simply because they don't have the creative. And so it's not, it's not just the brand uh, and the context. It's also, do you have the right message? Uh, nobody really wants to see an ad with a lot of happy people in a crowd outside right now because that just seems eerie right now. It's like science fiction. Um, you know, the having the right tone uh, of the ad and, and making sure that you're not tone deaf. So again, uh, does IAS take, when you're talking about precision, does IAS take the creative into account as it's doing this research? Great question. So as of right now, we don't, in our research, we don't take the creative into account, um, but it's something that we're seeing too uh, with, again, depending on the vertical and which marketers, some are hitting the pause uh, and reworking their messaging and coming back out. Uh, some are saying, you know what, I'm gonna wait uh, for a few weeks to come out with our messaging. Uh, so it varies case by case. But the one other thing I should mention that um, I'm, gonna, I'm convinced is going to happen with COVID related content, and we saw the same thing after September 11th, is that we will see a pivot from lots of negative COVID news and stories to more what I call hero content related to COVID. So more stories about the healthcare workers, about um, you know, whether they be firefighters or corporations and the philanthropic contributions that they're making. And I do think as we see that pivot more towards those hero type stories, I think that marketers will become much more receptive and open to running their brands, regardless of verticals against that type of content. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I certainly, uh, I hope your optimism is well-placed that we're gonna turn the corner and start to see uh, more positive stories. Uh, we had uh, Samantha Ski from She Media last week. Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, and she was saying they, they have the blogger network with you know 2,500 or 5,000 bloggers. And one of their learnings has been that, that people have to write around COVID that they have to do sort of a, a piece about great things to do with your kids inside, but not mention the coronavirus uh, uh, health crisis because then they'll get blocked. And so it's this, it's this very dynamic environment where, where people, are, everyone's trying to figure this out. Uh, so, but speaking of which, um, there's so much change. Where is IAS seeing growth? Like what, you know, you, what kinds of changes are you seeing who's doing more, who's doing less? Like, can you dig in on that at all? Sure, the areas, so we're seeing growth uh, in a couple of areas. Uh, internationally, hands down, like there's just tons of opportunity with international expansion, international growth. Also, as more and more marketers 
uh, want to uh, engage with us globally and do global agreements. That's where we're seeing more of that international growth. We might have partnerships with them in the US and they want to expand it. Uh, second area is uh, connected TV, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as everyone's working from home and everyone's probably consuming more content and they're doing it stream content. There's just tons of opportunity uh, with CTV. And I know it's something that we're speaking with the IAB with. And then uh, the other area is just social platforms, video, right? If you take a look at the data and the volume trends, uh, more and more um, consumers and users are spending their time, especially now uh, on social platforms, communicating, connecting. So I say it's those three years of international expansion, CTV and social. Yeah, we're, we're certainly, uh, we're watching things like the uh, Comcast moving its launch of Peacock earlier. We have HBO Max, which is not ad supported, but is still going to take a tremendous amount of attention uh, for people. Quibi launched uh, last week or the week before. Uh, it's, um, it, it's getting like that chart in my head of all of the streaming entities is getting larger and larger and larger all the time. So, so I, uh, I think you're dead on. Um, so what's not going to, what's going to change forever? What's not going to change, right? Eventually we're not sure when, but eventually this will be over. Uh, we talked earlier about the interpersonal stuff, right? The, the you know, we're, we see each other's homes more, we're aware of each other's families and the fact that we're, our work is only one part of our lives. But when it comes to the industry, when it comes to, to, to advertisers and publishers, what do you think the, the lasting changes are gonna be? I think that, um, I, I like to think about this a lot in terms of despite the changes that are happening now, what will remain consistent over time? And you know, one thing is marketers will always care about their brands, brand loyalty, brand engagement, and the type of content their brands are adjacent to. They will always care about that. That's the first thing. Um, I also think that uh, the engagement, like what we were talking about before in terms of social platforms, uh, streaming content, just technology and the power of technology and how it's plays such a, an important and dominant role in all of our lives. I think that will continue. And then the other thing I definitely think is going to happen is um, not just the big tech companies. I'm excited to watch the innovation from entrepreneurs, you know, and not just in the media space, but other spaces like uh, healthcare, like education, that I think that there's so much opportunity for innovation, um, especially from startups and entrepreneurs where, you know, all you need is a laptop, right? Good connections, some good ideas, a couple of friends, uh, pizza, right? And you can, um, you can innovate and create and you don't necessarily need the huge infrastructure um, of some of the big players. I, I just think that over the next five, 10 plus years, we're gonna see remarkable innovation uh, coming from startups. Uh, and not only startups, I think in a, a, one simple definition of innovation is that it's doing new things with the tools you already have. And, and this, where you are right now, this show, uh, which we launched five weeks ago because we thought we oughta, 
uh, and we all have laptops and we all have, we already have zoom and, and Shazam. It was not uh, easy by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I always want to thank the team that made it, uh, made it happen. But, but again, that, that idea of, you know, you never want to waste a perfectly good crisis uh, because you, it allows you to do things that you couldn't do before. So, so I concur. Um, so Lisa, uh, last question, which is, and this is sort of my really, uh, the sort of my traditional question. Um, what are you doing to stay optimistic, to stay connected? Uh, the thing I always say, uh, because I believe it to be always important is that this is hitting the people who live alone the hardest. Um, that, uh, you know, it's so hard to not be able to just see people in the flesh. Um, so I call them, you know, just, just as I'm walking or whatever, what do you do? What are you doing to keep, to keep, uh, to keep connected? Um, so I'm doing all kinds of things. So I have a family, I'm married, two girls, yeah. and um, just making sure that we now, because I'm not commuting, I'm working from home, I get to eat breakfast with them, I get to eat dinner with them every single night, uh, which is an absolute joy. Be, I'm able to read books to my girls before bed. Uh, exercising, I'm a huge believer in exercise. If I didn't have Alley Love and Peloton early mornings, if anyone wants to join me, let me know love my Peloton, uh, go for walks, uh, but just making sure that I'm spending both time with my family, uh, like it, you just said, proactively reaching out to friends. I make sure every single day I'm reaching out to uh, several friends just to check in. Uh, and then also whenever possible uh, at night, dusk, um, I try and get some fresh air and uh, be able to walk outside. Uh well, I think those are great answers. Um, so Lisa Schneider, thank you so much for joining us on I Be There. I hope we can have you back sometime in the future and, uh, and we'll, we'll continue this dialogue. I'm gonna, gonna, we're gonna let you go. And I'm gonna do the credits now. Thank you so much okay, for joining thank us. Thank you, Brad, be safe, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, on tomorrow's I Be There, we're going to welcome Josh Feldman of NBC Universal. He'll be in conversation with our president, David Cohen, about NBC's exciting new checkout technology. They just announced it this morning, and we'll get the download. Download, yes, we'll get the download tomorrow uh, on the show. Uh, if you have ever missed an episode of I Be There, we have an archive. It is at iab.com/there. Uh, we, uh, we've had a number of spirited conversations uh, that you can check out uh, at your leisure. Um, IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, Joe, John Ward, Twafika Mahinadin, and Haley Bloom. Uh, I'm Brad Behrens. I'm the editor-in-chief here at the IAB. Thank you so much for watching. Please join us again tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, you know what time it is. It's time to IAB There. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.